So, we are going to digress for a moment to our theme. Do we remember our theme? Commit. That's right. We are going to, we got a lot to write down today because this is, uh, this is Paul's uh, summary with the allegory. Um, so we've got a lot. Commit to Christ. All right. And not to what? That's right. The law of Moses. We'll go ahead with here. Mosaic law. All right. Or the old covenant. Uh, but we've got that coming. So in chapter 1, Paul gives us his personal experience. If you recall, chapter 2, he gives two personal anecdotes to make his point. You remember that? He goes to Jerusalem. Everything's all right until Peter shows back up at Antioch and everything's not all right. Chapters 3 and 4, he compares and contrasts the Abrahamic and Mosaic covenants. And then here at the end of chapter 4, he uses an allegory to summarize and uh, to drive home the point. Now, an allegory, of course, being a favorite teaching tool of the Jews, is a way of helping the truth stick in our minds, as, as well as a way of sticking it to the Judaizers and his, his critics, because, of course, Abraham is the great hero of the Hebrews. So his ability to bring it in line with Abraham, which of course is God's plan, his ability to do that is a real uh, salient point, a very salient point with, um, uh, with the Jews, or at least he hopes for it to be. So look again, if you would, at verse 21. He says, tell me, you who desire, and for us I know, we're like, who would desire to be under the law? Someone during our share time this morning did mention how that we are by nature religious, so we do tend to have that desire. You who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? Now, it's interesting, the phrase under the law is a favored um, phrase of Paul. He actually uses it 14 times in all of his writings. He uses it here in verse number, uh, or chapter 3, verse 23. We've covered these, of course. He says, Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned. The we there, of course, would then mean the Jews. If you remember that, that little we, you contrast that he um, uses. In chapter 4 earlier, in verse number 4, he says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law. The next verse, in verse 5 of chapter 4, he says, To redeem those who were under the law. Then, of course, here in verse 21, he uses it. And then later we'll see, in verse number 18, he says, But if you are led by the Spirit which I'm so excited to get into chapter 5. It's just taking us forever to get there, right? I think this is week number 10. Some of you will probably be dead before we get there. I know the way it's going. Um, You who are led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. This word under, it implies an inferior condition or uh, position. So we see, if we look back again in chapter 3, he gives us a number of things that we're under or that... Uh, Either we or the Jews are under. Um, He says that, uh, I'm getting a little feedback up here if I'm too loud. Um, He says, but now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. And we looked a bit at that word guardian and for uh, the use of that word and what he was comparing it to in that day, that would have been a boy slave or we might say a babysitter. So if we're looking at the Mosaic law, he's la- th- this last summary, he's really laying it out there for us. He's, and of course, for the Galatian people, but the word is written for us as well. Uh, he's laying it out there like this is I'm going to give you one more chance because in chapter five, we get that practical application that we've all been wanting and, and begging for. He's, he's giving us one last chance, giving us a, and we're going to list as many of those things as we can. And, uh, and I'm sure you'll show me the ones I missed and help me with that. Uh, but when he talks about this uh, guardian, 
uh, in those days, that would have been a boy slave, if you will. And so let's put uh, something that's more apropos for our day. That would have been a babysitter. So you who do not hear the law or not listening to the law, do you want a babysitter? Do you want a Christian life or a religious life where you have a babysitter? Do you need someone babysitting you? And so Paul is pointing back again to this idea of being immature, uh, spiritually speaking, or we might say religiously, I suppose, when he talks about the elementary elements. And he says, hey, do you want a babysitter? Or that's what we had. We had a babysitter. Chapter 4, verse 2, he uses the word, uh, well, in your ESV, you'll see guardians and managers again, but it's a different word there for guardian, and it's best read as guardian. So let's see, guardian and managers, all right? It's like uh, we'll have a meeting. We normally have our meetings on uh, Thursday. And uh, Steve is uh, just, a, just a hair older than, uh, maybe that was a bad word to use. Sorry, Steve. Um, Steve's just a pinch older than, than, and, uh, than uh, Gerald. And, uh, uh, you know, Gerald will have to say to Steve when Steve's telling him things, he'll have to say, you know, you know it's a very mature meeting. Steve will have to, uh, Gerald will say, you're not the boss of me. And uh, I didn't mean to startle you. I'm sorry about that. Um, but, uh, you know, nice things like that. Everybody wants a guardian and a manager, don't they? Uh, chapter 3 and verse 10, he says, For all who rely on the, the works of the law are under a curse. Isn't that exciting? Aren't you, aren't you now uh, debating the issue on whether you want to commit to Christ or the Mosaic law? And then in Galatians 3, verse 22, the scripture imprisoned everything under sin. Boy, oh boy, I might need to write even smaller here the way it's going. And look at the last part of the phrase there. It says, do you not listen to the law? I want to remind you something we brought up before. There is no threefold division of the law or that thought had not even come into um, the, an idea yet. Remember, that didn't come around to the 13th century with Thomas Aquinas. So when he says, do you not hear the law? He's referring to the Sabbaths, to circumcision, the Decalogue, all of it. It was a package deal for Paul and his audience. Look, if you would, at chapter 4 and verse number 22 now. We'll continue through our text. For it is written that Abraham had how many sons? Two sons. One by a slave. All righty, that's exciting. Would you like to be a slave? Raise your hands, would you? Any volunteers? Okay, no volunteers. All right, everybody can keep your seat then. One by a slave one, uh, woman and one by a... You can help me. One by a what? Free. I mean, it's an open book test, right? Our favorite kind. And so, all right, something to put over here. Those of you who are still trying to make up your minds. All righty, look at verse number 23 then. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh. Look at their flesh. Oh, boy. All righty. And we've covered most of this, and Paul has too, but he's coming back to it. Was born of the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Hmm. What does that mean? Born through promise. Go ahead, real loud. God had promised him. He had promised him, hadn't he? And he had promised Abraham that he would give him a son. So if it's flesh, do you remember how we described that last week? Do and be blessed. That's right. Do and be blessed. Now, many of you folks have been to church all around. And has anybody ever heard this type of teaching before? Can I get an amen if you have? Amen. How about an oh me if you have? <laughs> oh me, all right. And then if it's uh, of promise, uh, we'll also put out here spirit, because for us, the promise has been the Holy Spirit. And for us, it's what? Do you remember? There you go. 
blessed, and do. Ron, you were talking about a friend, and you were trying to help him have assurance of his uh, salvation. I know I saw you somewhere. Where'd you go? There you over there. And uh, you were talking about that, and you were trying to convince him that he is blessed and do, rather than do, in order to find that blessing. Verse number 24. Now, this may be interpreted allegorically. Now, notice Paul is uh, giving us permission for that. We don't want to take this kind of liberty, and uh, a lot of folks do. And I say folks, I mean teachers and so forth. And, uh, but uh, Paul is taking it, and we'll let him do that since uh, he knew Jesus Christ um, personally as an apostle. These women are two covenants. Now, did you catch that? How many covenants is that? Say again. Two. So we're not looking at one covenant with two administrators. We're looking at how many covenants? Two separate covenants. All right. And so we want to keep that in mind. One from Mount Sinai bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. Uh, She corresponds to the present Jerusalem. For she is in slavery with her children. So he's getting pretty, he's getting pretty direct here, isn't he? Now, if you're Jewish and uh, you're starting to read this you, and, and you're stuck in your ways, you're probably getting a little bit offended. And you know how that you don't like it when the teacher or the preacher offends you? They certainly weren't getting very, they weren't very happy with what Paul had to say. All right. Do you think they should have, they think they should have gotten offended or they should have just sat there and learned something? What, what, what's your, what's your vote on that one? Anybody want to vote? Anybody got an idea what they should have done? She'll learn something. Huh? Is that what we do? Hmm. Is that what we do? Do we sit there and go, you know, it's interesting. I, I, you know, my background and uh, uh, we didn't uh, we didn't exegete the scriptures and uh, we just got up and let her fly. And uh, buddy, I remember I had some I had some mighty men in, in our church, buddy, and I'd let her fly. I'd let the Hollywood crowd have it and I'd let the I'd let the, the, the gay crowd have it. And boy, they just get them, preacher, get them. And then I thought one time, I said, boy, you know what? We, we got a little bit of sin in the house. And boy, I let the sin in the house get them. And they'd sit there quiet as they could be. And I'll tell you what. And, uh, and then, then, then I had one guy, he wouldn't talk to me for several weeks. I went up and talked to him. He goes, I don't like what you had to say. And uh, uh, so anyway, it's kind of interesting how we like it when somebody else is getting taught the scriptures, but we pretty much got the scriptures figured out and we're not really open to learning. Sometimes, I wouldn't say that's the majority of us, but we need to be careful about that type of attitude. Alrighty, so two covenants and not one. So let's put that up here then, shall we? We're going to put, how should we put that up here? What do you think? How about new? And how about old? You know, as the years go by, I hate using the word old. I want to come up with a different word for the... Uh, the other covenant there. All right, so we looked here at uh, a few things about Hagar. It says Mount Sinai bearing children for slavery. She is, ha- uh, she is Hagar. So let's see, he's comparing Mount Sinai. Uh, Sinai, right? Uh, yep, yeah, okay. Sinai, and he says that's Hagar, doesn't he? He's really laying it on thick, I, I, I believe. He's not really making any room for anything. He also says something else there. What else does he say in that verse to line up with the Mosaic Law? Something else in there. Present Jerusalem. Boy, he is, boy, mm, that'll, that'll affect your theology, I'll tell you what. Present Jerusalem. Hmm. Jerusalem. Boy, I got that one right too. Must, it must have, those, those old man pills. It, well, I took this morning. They're helping me out a lot, aren't they? Present Jerusalem. Do you remember in chapter one, we've, we've, we've referred to it a number of times. And uh, verse number four, it says that Jesus died for our sins to deliver us from this present evil age. So the Jews as a people were still in exile. They were in physical slavery being ruled by the Romans. 
They were also in spiritual slavery to Mount Sinai, the elementary principles, which I think was we talked about last week, maybe the week before. Now, how is it that they were in bondage and so forth? Well, I already gave you the answer. Uh, no, I didn't either. How is it they were still in bondage? What is it about the old uh, a covenant and do and be blessed? How, how, is, how is this bondage? How is this idea that I have to do and be blessed? How, how is that bondage? You ever had a leader that you can never please? You ever had somebody like that? Never enough. It's never enough. And I think I have, uh, I have that, those exact words written down. Never enough. Because you always have to keep doing, don't you? you all, it's just never enough. Keep doing. It's just never enough. Let's say that's what we said. Yeah, I'll put never enough there. It's just never enough. When Jesus died on the cross, when did he decide he had to come back and die again? Huh? What about when uh, when um, uh, Aaron sacrificed the annual sacrifice? When did he have to come back again? The very next year. Look at verse number 26. But the Jerusalem above is free and she is our mother. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So at our church, we are blessed. Jerusalem. All right. We talk about the Jerusalem, which is above. Now, the truth of the matter is, but for God opening our eyes, we could be focusing on this, right? So we're not better than anybody else. We're just blessed by, blessed be the Lord. We're, we've learned to bless and do, and we talk about Jerusalem above. Look what else he says there. By the way, let's talk about Jerusalem above here. This is what theolo- theologians call the eschatological Jerusalem, meaning the future Jerusalem reaching down into the present evil age. Remember, as we've talked about, the resurrection was the inauguration of new creation. Let's talk about Jerusalem above. Revelation 21, 1 and 2. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Hallelujah. This is the Jerusalem we're focused on, ladies and gentlemen. Alrighty. Also, someone else is mentioned there by implication. So let's go ahead and write her name down. Sarah. Who was Sarah? Wife of Abraham. That's right. Alrighty. And it also says there, Jerusalem above is what? Free. Thank you. Someone, someone noticed again that we have a, an open book test. All right. Praise the Lord. Well, when it says we're free, what does that mean? Does that mean we can go out, eat, drink, and be merry? We do that sometimes. Some of us did that Thursday. But, uh, but what does it mean when it says we're free? We're free to serve, aren't we? Free to serve. All righty. We are free to serve. We're not in bondage. We don't have to, we don't have to do certain, certain religious ceremonial things. We are free to serve. Now, you really wanted to get to the idea of she is our mother because I told you earlier how much I like that statement, so we'll get to it now. So the Abrahamic covenant, as we're noticing, is fulfilled in the new covenant. Uh, I think, Greg, you brought up Jeremiah 31, uh, maybe last week or week before, so I'm going to read part of that. So those of you writing notes, it's Jeremiah 31, 31 through 33. Listen to what it says. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Hallelujah. If you're a child of God, would you say amen? 
Amen. Paul is constantly pressing the point with the Galatians and, of course, the Judaizers. And this point is that we, sh- that we now are the sons of Abraham. And by the way, to your friend, Laron, Le- uh, to your friend, what confidence and assurance it gives to us as believers now that we understand that we are sons and daughters of Abraham. Hallelujah. I mean, when you think about that, you read the scriptures and you find out that's us. We're the ones. We're the called out and elect of God as sons of Abraham. Think about what he said in chapter 3, verse 7. Know then that that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Verse 29. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Amen. Hey, how do you live by faith? Well, if I'm going to have faith in someone, it means I trust their word. I trust their promise. Verse 28 of chapter 4. Now you, we'll read in a moment, but let's let's do it now for, for this portion. Now you, brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. Galatians 6, verses 15 and 16. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. That's when the Spirit of God comes in us and regenerates us as a child of God. As for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them. How many times do you read about the peace upon Israel? He goes on, and upon the Israel of God. Hallelujah. Now look at verse number 27. Paul here is going to quote Isaiah 54. I know this doesn't work out very often, and when I'm in the audience, it doesn't work out that often either. But as you see him quote Isaiah 54, 1 here, if you get a chance, I would encourage you to read the chapter before and after, chapters Isaiah 53, 54, and 55 in particular. Understanding now that how he, how he uh, quotes it with the fulfillment of the new covenant. But look what he says here in verse 27. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Who was bear in this allegory? Sarah. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. So Paul here interpreting Isaiah 54, 1 for us is revealing that the spiritual seed of Abraham will far outnumber the natural seed. And guess what? Here we are, ladies and gentlemen. Hallelujah. Now verses 28 and 29. Now you, brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. But just as that time... He was born according to the flesh, persecuted him who was born according to the spirit. So also it is now. Now we alluded to this earlier, the children of promise. He says there, born according to the spirit. It's important to remember that the Holy Spirit is the fulfillment and the fulfiller of this promise. And we'll see that as we get to chapter 5, when we see the fruit of the Spirit, how we are all as believers led by the Spirit and called to walk in the Spirit. But let me say that again. The Holy Spirit is the fulfillment and the fulfiller of this promise. And of course, the Spirit of God is is God as much as Jesus Christ and the Father. All right, so let's put some things up here out of those verses here. Born of the Spirit. Born of Spirit. Let's see, and we have born of flesh. It seems to me that this is a big deal to Paul. How many would agree with that? It seems to be a big deal. And if it's such a big deal to Paul, it seems like it ought to be a big deal to us. It really does. It seems like that taking the time to go through this is important. 
And I, and I really think that if we can get this straight, because this is ultimately it is foundational. And if we don't get these building blocks correct, we're going to get a lot of other things wrong or not get a lot of other things correct. Does that make sense? Okay, so if, if, if this is born of the Spirit, that means we're talking about the age to come. All right? And we believers have been delivered from this age, right? So when we talk about the age to come, we're talking about the age in which we live. Yeah, and we have flesh somewhere, so flesh be here. So that would be the present age. So if you have been born again... Are you living in the present age? We actually are living in the present age, but we have been delivered from it. Does that make sense? Got that? Nod your head no or wave at me if you don't got it. We've talked about it several times, but I want to make sure. Let's look uh, further. Paul has continued this flesh and spirit contrast through chapters 3 and 4 and will continue with the practical application in chapter 5. And that's... I pushed to get here today so that we could jump into that next week. By the way, another, another chapter that will be a blessing to you is 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, if you get a chance. You'll find that contrast laid out so beautifully. I, I, I've gone through it. I've made a ton of notes. I would love to incorporate it in the teaching. But again, I want to get this done before some of you pass on into the next life. So I've held back. All righty. Here's a neat little alliterated way to uh, put this on here. We can uh, let's do this real quick. We can put I'm just doing this to save room. We could put uh, emancipated, emancipated and we'll just go here for room's sake and enslaved. All right. And then also we find in here he says at the very uh, in, the, in the middle there. Look at verse 29. But just as that time he who was born according to the flesh. Do you see that next word? Those of you who have a Bible, what's that next word? Persecuted him who, uh, who was born according to the spirit. So also it is now. So these are the persecuted. So now there's something, if you will negative on this list. Everything looked good for a while, didn't it? And uh, this would be persecutor. Persecute. Okay, so they persecute and we are the persecuted. Steve, you know, maybe that's why folks get mad when you when you say, hey, you guys are you guys are a little bit moralistic over here. You're you're saying a bunch of do's and don'ts and you forgot about the cross. Maybe that's why that gets folks riled up a bit. Persecute and persecuted. You know, imagine. So which side is Ishmael on? Right or left? Ishmael's on the right. Can you imagine? Maybe that's why Ishmael got jealous. Yeah? Maybe, maybe this side over here gets, looks at us and says, well, you guys are a bit free over there. I don't, I don't, I don't really like that. You guys, need to, you guys need to get back over here. You know, I, I don't like the way you guys don't, uh, you know, and the list, could, I don't want to get into the list right now, we don't have time to, but you could come up with a whole list of things that apparently we're doing wrong because we're free. You can go into, uh, uh, in Paul's day, it would have been Jewish jealousy, just like Ishmael's jealousy uh, in the story here during Abraham's day. In Jesus' day, it would have been temple authorities' jealousy, Right? The temple authority was all over the Lord Jesus, wanting to know why his uh, disciples weren't doing this, that, and the other, and railing on him for the things he was teaching and doing. Look at verse number 30. But what does the scripture say? Boy, this is an interesting thing here. What does the scripture say? Paul said, we're going to go right back to this story. Cast out the slave woman and her son. For the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So what is Paul doing here? Paul is exhorting the Galatians to get rid of the false teachers, seeing that they will not inherit the blessings of the new covenant. 
That's amazing, isn't it? Cast them out, he says. The Galatian churches, you have these Judaizers. They're trying to drag you back into bondage. Cast out the slave woman and her son. He's quoting Galatians 21. Let me read verse 10, but let me read 9 and 10 to you. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had born to Abraham, laughing. So she said to Abraham, cast out this slave woman with her son. For the son of this this slave woman shall not inherit with my son, Isaac. Paul has to deal with this in another place too. Let me read to you. This is something that I've wanted to teach on as well. But again, time is not always available. I'm going to read to you 1 Timothy chapter 1 verses 5 through 7. Listen to the advice the apostle gives to Timothy. He says, the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussions, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. Listen, when people apply the old covenant to us, what should our response be? I've been thinking about this, you know, because I want to come up with something pithy. I want to just get them good, right? Because I wander back over here (laughs) to the wrong side of the board. (laughs) But as I was studying this, I thought the biblical answer is so clear. Look at the very next verse, Galatians 4 and verse 31. Here's the perfect answer. So brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. Isn't that perfect? Man, that is just like, you know... And, and I want to get the Nathaniel voice going, right? I want to get his, his attitude, right? I just want to look at him and say, Brother, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. God bless you. Then walk away and mutter under my breath. No, I don't want to do that for <laughs> then, then I would have been leaving the, the Nathaniel character. As so we so often see, Paul is repeating the themes of Christ found in John's gospel. You know, we pointed back to that. Listen to what uh, Jesus says in John 8, verses 34 through 36. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say unto you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. It ought to say hallelujah right after that, huh? Maybe after service, I'll go write hallelujah in my Bible because mine's a CTB version, Christopher Todd Brown version. Now, there is a parallel text to what we've been covering, and I want to get to that very quickly. It's in Hebrews chapter 12. We've also talked about how much parallel there is in, um, between Galatians and Hebrews. It's, it's Hebrews chapter 12. It begins in verse number 18. And we certainly did not leave enough room. I was doing this, you know, the last couple days. Don't forget, leave enough room, leave enough room, leave enough room, leave enough room. Didn't work. Hadn't worked for 58 years. But What's the definition of insanity? I'm going to keep trying. CTB is the definition. (laughs) No, that's the abbreviation. Whoever said that, just so you'll know. Uh, Look at verse 12, uh, chapter 12, verse 18. Here you have not come to what may be touched. This is about Mount Sinai, right? So we've got Mount Sinai somewhere here, right? Here you have not come to what uh, may be touched. You've not come to what may be touched. So uh, the author of Hebrews is talking about living under the Mosaic law. And he says, 
We're going to write real small and stick it in this little section here. He's saying that trying to live under here, uh, it's untouchable. Touchable. I think I got that right. If I didn't, keep it to yourself. All right. Or you can help me with it because I need all the help I can get. So he's saying, look, if if trying to worship at Mount Sinai, of course, the old covenant, it's totally untouchable. A blazing fire and darkness and gloom and tempest. Has your day ever been that way? Darkness, gloom and tempest. If you're a married man, please do not raise your hand right now. All right. But the truth is, and, and as Nathaniel, I brought up this morning, we all deal with difficulties and hardships, but many is the time we bring, we, we, we make our own day this way, don't we? When we, when we resort back to the uh, do and be blessed mentality. And so here we find that uh, trying to navigate our way through life in the, in the, the, old, the old way, the elementary principles we, we, tend to, we tend to try to, when we tend to try to navigate ourselves that way, it is truly unintelligible, which is about what I was just saying came across, didn't it? Unintelligible? I think so. All right. Un, in, te, am I the only one enjoying writing these down? You don't even care, do you? Intelli, is it I? I-B-L-E? B-I-B-L-E. Okay. How about verse 19? And the sound of a trumpet and the voice of whose words, look at this, made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken unto them. So you can imagine the the author of Hebrews is doing basically the same thing, but with Hebrew people, not Gentiles, which is what Galatians has going on. He is doing basically the same thing. He is telling these Hebrew people, do not go back to the old covenant. And he's saying to them, do you not hear? Do you not remember? Do you not understand? You're you're going back to something that is untouchable. You're going back to something that is unintelligible. And then here in verse 19, he's saying you're going back to something that is unbearable. Don't get to impress Steve with my alliteration. I did this like 10 years ago. That's why I had to work it in. All right. Unbearable. Look, he said it made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. Think about people who get really enamored with the Old Testament law and say, ooh, we got to stop doing that. And, ooh, we got to do this, you know, and ooh, look how all of that. And, and, and the author is saying, look, it's totally unbearable. The, the people back then, they had it forced on them. They don't get to get excited about how this, this word is laid out like you're doing. It is unbearable. It was unbearable to them. Do you think it was exciting when all of a sudden they found someone picking up sticks on the Sabbath and, and Moses said, Y'all come on out, let's throw stones at him until his head busts open. I wouldn't very, that's not an exciting day to have. Oh, bring some food while you're at it. We'll have a picnic and celebrate Lord's Supper. Woohoo! What a, what a, what a, a, a slave type of life that is. Verse number 20 For they could not endure the order that was given. In other words, it was unattainable. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision. And Paul says in Galatians 5, 3, that he is obligated to keep the whole law. I've gotten started now. I can't stop. Unattainable. There's an I there. Man, I wish I knew a song that went along with that. Okay. Look what it says. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. What would that be? Unapproachable. I know. I can do this all day. That's a lie. I can't either. And here's the one that really gets your attention. Look at verse 21. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. Moses said that. Now, you don't really get that from the when you read the Old Testament, do you? You kind of get the fact that Moses was above all this, probably had a really good-looking beard, and 
Okay, maybe not. But you kind of you get this idea that Moses was above it all. You kind of get the idea that Moses was in, you know, Moses had it going on. But it tells us here that Moses said, I tremble with fear. So it was unendurable. Oh, man. Man, that guy's cool with a thesaurus. Man. Wish I could use a thesaurus like him. Uh, but verse 22 talks about this side over here. Look what it says there. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God. Can you, would, you, would you all help me now? Would you read those next three words with me? Because we just we talked about it earlier. The next three words after living God. The heavenly Jerusalem. There it is again. That's where we've come to, folks. That's where we've come to. Look, I know we often say the things like, oh, by faith we need to accept. No, listen, this is our reality. This is our reality. That's why uh, we ought to be excited. Hallelujah. Look what it goes on to say. To an innumerable angels in festal gathering. I'm going to write it down. Can't help myself. These aren't alliterated, so I tried. Celebration. This is a celebration. God, through Christ Jesus and His Spirit in our lives, this is a celebration. That's what we have. With Christ Jesus, He has called us into the great feast. Good, you woke your, you, you, your eyes came open. Hallelujah. It worked. All right. Look at verse 23. And to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. Who's the assembly of the firstborn? We'll keep it simple for time's sake. That's the elect. God knew you for your mama knew you. God knew you for your grandmama knew your mama. Huh? God knew you for Adam was born. Can I get an Amen. And he planned a celebration before that. And you're part of that celebration. And he determined you would be a son of Abraham before that. Hallelujah. Man, this is good stuff. And you know what? The more I read, the gooder it gets. And then he says, the judge of all. Hallelujah. The triune God will be there. Or is there. That's what we've been called to. He continues. And verse 24. And to Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Jesus. Well, I need an organ player up here while I preach. Jesus. Woohoo! I'm excited. I can't help it. You can laugh. You can shout. I don't care. Mm. All right, Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. And look what it says there. Sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. What in the world does that mean? Abel's blood cried out, guilty. Jesus' blood cries out, innocent. Hallelujah. Your, your friend, struggling, the blood of Christ is, what's his name? Carlos. Carlos? See, Carlos is innocent. That's what the blood of Christ is crying out. Hallelujah. So, we're over here we've got freedom. You want to know why the slaves in America fell in with the gospel? Come on now, because it resonated. Can I get a witness? Yeah, and if you'd been locked up, it would resonate. And by the way, you have been locked up by sin and death. Yes, freedom. And you know what's over here? You saw the mountain. Nothing but fear. Nothing but fear. Tell Carlos, that's all he's been looking at. He, you already did. He didn't have to look at it anymore. Now, what is over there that's got your attention? You know the only thing gets your attention over there? 
Satan's gurus come and put a flashy lights every once in a while. That's it. And the lights get our attention. That's about it. That's all he's got. Look at the last verse. Back to chapter uh, Galatians. Chapter 5, verse 1 is our last verse. Galatians 5, verse 1. May I remind you, Steve, you ain't the boss of me. (laughs) Although I do whatever you tell me to do. Look what he says. Chapter 5, verse 1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm. I remember the teenage girls in the church years ago, they would do this. I don't know what that twist is about. Stand firm, therefore. And I guess I got to quit. <laughs> and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Is that pretty, pretty clear? Clear as can be. All right, let's wrap this up. Ishmael was an attempt by Abraham to do and be blessed. Does that make sense? For 13 years, he had been Abraham's pride and joy. He was dear to Abraham. In the same fashion, we tend to admire our own religious handiwork and activity. And we use it in an attempt to please God. And oh, aren't we proud of it. Ooh, I preached a good sermon today. But God can never bless that mess. Our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. When Isaac was weaned, Ishmael mocked him. And those that promote Old Testament bondage continually attack and mock those that live out their liberty in Christ today, calling us, because you might hear the word, so you'll want to understand, you'll want to be grounded in the truth. They call us antinomian, anti-law, against law. But we're not against the law of Christ, are we? Being her son, that is Isaac, being mocked, Sarah demanded that Ishmael be kicked out. Even so, Paul tells us there is to be no compromise and there can be no compromise between the flesh and the spirit. And we must rid ourselves of such teaching as well. Do and be blessed will never work. It never has. By the grace of God, we now live in the blessed and do. And so with excitement, we do to the glory of God. Old covenant moralism, we must avoid. We must copy Paul's approach of gospel theology. We've talked about this. He spends three and a half chapters of teaching, teaching, teaching before he gives an imperative. I've taught you all this. You've been blessed. Look at this. Now go do this. Because you've been blessed, go do this. Because the Spirit of God lives in you, because of Christ's sacrifice, now do this. In other words, because of what Christ did, I said this, we should therefore do. Again, do and be blessed will never work. We live and thrive in the blessed and now do. So what do we do? We fellowship around our great emancipator, the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't compare our works, but we rejoice in them. Clinging to the promises. For 13 years, Abraham was satisfied with Ishmael. Imagine how attached he had become to the fruit of his own self-effort. Imagine that. 13 years, his son. It took years, but he finally became aware 
of what a dangerous substitute he had produced, and he cast him out. Now, how true that is. How true that became amongst the Galatians when they decided they needed to earn the blessing of God. Stay with me. How true that can be of us. Just a little bit of Puritan self-examination here, folks. We so often live moody and insecure, do we not? Dipping our toe into this present evil world. Toying with its elementary principles. Allowing ourselves to fall under the spell of bondage once again. Living with guilt that Christ Jesus died and paid for. It is time to go on to maturity. Recognizing that the only instrument, oh, hallelujah, the only instrument worthy of God's blessing is the Lamb of God. And to be in Christ, a son of Abraham, is to be a joint heir of all things with the Son of God himself. How then can we not, as free men and women, go forth in our daily lives and build the kingdom of God relying solely On him who is, who was, and who is to come. Blessed be the name of the Lord. This message was produced by the New Testament Reformation Fellowship, reforming today's church with New Testament church practices. Permission is hereby granted for you to reproduce this message. You can find us on the web at www.ntrf.org. May God bless you as you seek to follow Him in complete obedience to His Word. May your faith in the Lord Jesus be strengthened and your daily walk with Him deepened.